Check mic one. Check mic two. Mic three. Check mic four. All right, guys, uh, we can start. Um, ladies and gentlemen, this episode of the Brews and Reviews podcast is dedicated to the memory of Chadwick Boseman. You taught us all that it didn't matter if you were a police officer, a soldier, a boundary-breaking sports star, or the godfather of soul. Didn't matter because you always could be a king. We will miss you, our king. Wakanda forever. Wakanda forever. Ladies and gentlemen, please silence your cell phones and kindly shut up for our feature presentation. Shut the fuck up! Yeah, everybody, welcome to the Brews and Reviews podcast. Um, wow, uh, <laughs> I didn't expect to be making this episode this week. I don't think any of us did. But um, for anyone who doesn't know, this week, Hollywood lost one of its brightest young stars uh, as Chadwick Boseman, at the age of 43, lost his battle to colon cancer. Um, we are saddened by his loss, and we want to just take a quick moment to honor his memory with a uh, 10 second moment of silence. Oh shit. Uh, (laughs) Hell of a week. It Uh, has been a hell of a week. Cannot wait for this year to be over. Yeah. I think we're all kind of there. So, um, uh, this obviously, is this podcast is a dedication episode. Um, we actually weren't even going to do this movie until March for, for Marvel madness. Like I was chatting with you guys about, um, so also there's a lot of Marvel movies. I know. I know we're only going to do like three, but you know, um, (laughs) but I also wanted to point out to the listeners, uh, this is an off week episode. So typically our episodes come out on the first and third Wednesday of each month, but, because of the events, uh, we are recording this the day after we received the news of his passing. So, um, we decided this is going to be an off week. So this is technically episode one point five for everyone. Yeah, it's uh. Anybody, the time you're listening to this, we would you would have heard episode one, um, which you would have heard us call ourselves the podcast that is already two beers in. Um, as usual, I'm your DD, but for the first time, and none of us driving nowhere, so even I'm drinking tonight. My name is Avery, here alongside my co-host. Uh, gentlemen, introduce yourselves. Uh, I'm Buddy. Uh, currently two cups into coffee, so... <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was asleep a little while ago, so I guess that's how I've been dealing with things, is by sleeping, so... Um, I don't know. I guess it's going to be a somber episode, but I hope it doesn't turn people off. We like to make jokes. We like to be the silver lining in situations. So um, hopefully this brings a little bit of levity and entertainment to an otherwise uh, monotone and sobering time, just like a good cup of coffee can do. And I almost want to ditch my beer for coffee now. (laughs) It's pretty good. It's Folgers. 
That's you leave Folgers alone, okay? That is better than Starbucks and Maxwell House. I will say Ma- that Maxwell right. House is just shit flakes. <laughs> All right, Redneck Inuyasha, introduce yourself, man. Uh, <laughs> Kagome. <laughs> <laughs> Kagome, y'all. <laughs> I'm Chris. Apparently, redneck and Unasha. That's a thing now. Apparently, I don't know. <laughs> it, so, it, has, uh, it has to happen. Uh, right now, I am drinking this uh, really sour, awesome tasting beer from Jester King called. I'm going to butcher the name, even though I'm Asian. Bang Tao. And what it is, it's barrel-aged sour beer re-fermented with peaches. Great tasting for the summer, nice and refreshing. And, uh, yeah, go get yourself some peaches while you still can, folks. That's not one of the sponsors, by the way. I'm just saying that shit's good. (laughs) Um, My name is Brad, uh, and I am the designated drunk of the group (laughs) who uh, doesn't really watch a lot of movies. Um, We know. Yeah. We know. Uh, And... Uh, Throughout every episode of this podcast, you will hear this noise. And that noise means that I have opened another beer and am one step closer, as Avery has said, to going to rehab. Uh, Today, um, I'm actually (laughs) drinking two beers. I'm starting off with uh, Ruined Again Triple IPA by Stone Brewing Company. But once that is empty, I got myself a special treat because this is a sombering episode and I kind of wanted to feel like we were all together again. So I got some Shinerbach. Hey! And for a second there, I thought you were just going to open the two beers at once and just chug them, like, at the same time. (laughs) Really? Honestly, this is a chugging episode. (laughs) Yeah, it's... You know, this is... Man, this is such a weird... A weird thing. You know, I've been... uh, You know, I don't don't know how Buddy's feeling, but... As as a black man in America right now... We're so fucking tired. (laughs) (laughs) Like, real talk? Like... You know, it's it's a joke and it's not. We seriously lost our fucking no. king. <laughs> like, you know what really hit me was, I remember when parents didn't want to take their kids to see Infinity War because T'Challa gets snapped and disappears. And now they have to have that conversation with their kids for real. And it's like, yeah, how do you, that, that's how I know I'm not ready to be a parent because I wouldn't even know where to begin with that conversation. But, you know, to tie that into... Uh, the most recent uh, protest that's going on in uh, Wisconsin um, and the George Floyd protest from earlier this year. Um, it, it just feels like another body blow to the black community. And um, as black Twitter says, you just black people and minorities are just constantly fighting so many different battles. And so, um, you know, it's just, it's another not so much battle, but just another uh, blow to the uh, heart, per se. And, you know, we will do our best. We will rise again. <laughs> it's not as bad as it used to be. I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah. It's not as bad as it used to be. <laughs> but, um, you know, it, it's been rough. But um, if anything, we as a people just know how to come together and how to push forward and overcome. So, uh, you know, keep it moving. No, no. Yeah, that's that's valid. Um, Chris, you had something you wanted to say? I have thoughts on I have thoughts on what's happening in Wisconsin. Not uh, 
more so towards the gentleman that was, I wouldn't even say gentleman, that piece of shit. He's fucking walking around with an AR-15 like a fucking moron. Mm-hmm. We'll save that it's for the deep cuts. We'll save that for yeah, the we'll, deep cuts. Yeah, we'll episode. we'll get into that for the deep cuts. Um, I have thoughts and comments on that. Before a lot of we thoughts and comments. Before That's our we plug. actually get into uh, the episode and the sponsors, my minority um, took over. <laughs> uh, the white minority took over. <laughs> no, the Asian minority took over the white minority. <laughs> Um, Actually, I am more Asian than I am white. Let's just get that out of the way. I'm more. It's so weird on this podcast. Chris is the minority. (laughs) (laughs) uh, um, Technically, I'm the minority. It's like fifty-fifty. Yeah, because I'm a Jewish white man. Yeah, I was about to say it kind of does make Brad the minority. He's like a double white person. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, double white. white. No, no uh, real quick, um, before I say what I wanted to say initially, technically I am the ultimate minority because my dad's side of the family is Basque, and Basque is considered the original Aryan race. Therefore, I'm an Aryan that's, Jew. That's terrifying. So, oh, so, ha- so, so, so like half yourself super, hates the other half. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I don't know whether to jump in the oven or to like shabbat oh shalom, God. whatever. Oh, um, that explains everything I've known about you for like fifteen know. years. Um, but before we talk more about the episode, I did want to point out. Um, so after watching the movie, I decided to watch a few of uh, Chadwick's <laughs> interviews. Um, that took place around this movie. Uh, and one of the ones that I watched was The Daily Show. I'm I'm a huge fan of The Daily Show. And uh, he said something that I thought was extremely profound and something that I feel like a lot of people need to hear in the modern climate of our world, essentially. And that was, um, you should be the hero of your own story. You should be, you know... You should see yourself conquering the dramatic action of whatever you're trying to do, so when you get to a crisis, you know how to deal with it. You, uh, you have to be the person who deals with conflicts in place. And I yes. thought that was an amazing quote by him. Um, and guys, you know, we're we're we have an exceptional amount of respect for this actor and for who he was, not only as a person, not only as an actor, but also what he represented for so many people. Um, Not just here in the United States, but around the world. He was like you said earlier, Avery, he was a King. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And so before we get into like the episode and everything, uh, you know, I kind of wanted to, like, just do a quick, maybe, like, two-minute thing where we kind of, like, talk about some of our favorite movies or moments about him. Um, so mine is, obviously, that quote from The Daily Show, in my opinion, was exceptional. And I felt like it needed to be heard again. Um, but I also absolutely loved him in 42. I thought he did a phenomenal job in the portrayal of Jackie Robinson. And... Um, it's like honestly for his top movie it's tied between 42 and black panther for for his portrayal of the character yeah i um, um so go ahead go ahead buddy uh i was just gonna say this mine is just more of a general thought um i i think one thing that i was really taken about i guess not just by the suddenness of his passing but the um the reveal that he had 
stage four colon cancer, and he was diagnosed with stage three colon cancer in 2016. And Captain America Civil War, in which he debuted, came out in 2016. Then he went on to play Black Panther, which debuted in 2018. I think during those times, he he was having surgery. He was taking chemotherapy treatments. He was, you know, any normal human being would just be a ghost, a zombie at that point, you know, just beaten down, run down, and just tired and trying to take care of their bodies. But he got in Marvel shape, like Marvel superhero shape, and filmed not not just his parts in Black Panther as for Civil War, but the Black Panther movie also filmed his parts in Infinity War, also filmed his parts in Endgame, gave us 21 Bridges, gave us the Five Bloods. He still maintained a work ethic that was prolific and daunting on top of doing all this stuff in secret. And that is a different type of strength. That is a type of person that gives you their everything and gives you their all. And to do that without a shred of a sword, telling, like just wanting to tell the world that this is what I'm going through. And this is how I feel on a daily basis where, you know, there's probably days where he felt probably felt he couldn't get out of bed. But the fact that he still gave us every piece of himself for those four years um, really just speaks to a testament of who he is as a person, as an actor, and uh, as an icon gone too soon. So. Yeah, yeah, there's there, there's tons of reports coming out now just from everyone who's ever worked with them about how much of a light he was in every room he ever came into, how positive he was. and you would have never known that he was waging a one-man war with himself, um, trying to fight against the disease that was taking over his body and the sheer effort that it took for him to not only fight that battle, but to inspire legions of young African-American people across the world was amazing. And I don't just mean African-American people, people of African descent, period. It, 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 it goes without saying that he was able to go beyond the boundaries of, of what a Hollywood actor was. Um, and it, again, it, it also occurred at the same time when he did 42, when he played the icon of black sports. I mean, most people will say the icon of black sports is Michael Jordan. I said Jackie Robinson. Um, oh, yeah, dude. Yeah, I was like, I'm going to agree with you on that 100%. <laughs> I was like, I will, uh, and, and that is partially because I like baseball way better than basketball <laughs> as a sport. Yeah, I mean, I, I love MJ, don't get it twisted, but <laughs> Jackie broke so many barriers and did it with a smile on his face while literally having people spit in his face every step of the way. And Chadwick brought that same level of energy, that same level of positivity to that role and every every time that he had a smile on his face when something messed up was happening to him you believed that he believed everything was going to be okay and you know my my personal favorite role from him is as t'challa but i was because i love the humanity he brought to the character you know i grew up reading black panther i grew up you know wanting to be you know prince t'challa and for for me for him to portray that strength of a king and the, the ideals of what it meant to be royalty, that, that noblesse oblige, 
he he nailed it and it meant so much to the black community that you know as i as i said earlier as brad mentioned we we really and truly do look at him as our king like and that, that's why i feel like it's hurting the black community so much right now like we're all seriously in mourning like i am damn near about to cry <laughs> Uh, talking about this man, but uh, so, yeah. What what about you, Chris? Uh, two things come to mind. Uh, first, the Saturday Night Live skit where uh, Black Jeopardy, where he did play <laughs> T'Challa. And, oh, uh, that was yes. I never was, saw that until you sent it to me. Honestly, it is and hilarious. I she didn't use no paprika. No paprika. <laughs> <laughs> the ex- the explanation he gave, like, <laughs> and, and see, as minorities, mm-hmm. it makes total sense. Mm-hmm. And the other one, which um, I knew, and it just didn't really hit home until I watched it again. Yes, last night, maybe this morning. Goes late, <laughs> but um, as much as I don't like Jimmy Fallon as a host, uh, when Black Panther came out, um, they had um people of African, uh, African-Americans come up and uh, basically say how the movie made them feel. Then he comes out and surprises them. And just seeing that the little kid on his face and that uh, either his mom or grandma crying because, like, I had that same reaction when I watched uh, Jet Li films for the first time as a kid of being Chinese. So seeing that reaction is exactly how I felt. So it was, that hit home for me. But with that, we are here to actually have some fun because this is a movie all of us love. This is very so, true. Yeah, before I say, guys, you know, uh, I, I think it's probably about time we actually start talking about the movie we came here to talk about today. But before we get to that, uh, the Bruce Reviews podcast is a new podcast. So normally this would be around the time where we would introduce our sponsors and tell you about who's helping us pay the bills around here. Um, so, Chris, who are our sponsors this week? Oh, man, I, Avery, I'm glad you... Uh, Asked, and I thought you never would, quite frankly. Uh, first off is, uh, our first off, our beautiful sponsors is uh, Seasoning. Mm. <laughs> and uh, gentlemen, I'm, I'm sure you've come across this, where you know you're either at, like, Family Reunion, Avery knows exactly what I'm going to go into, or you're at a Family Reunion, someone's cooking for you, uh, maybe you're dating a white girl, and it just tastes plain as fuck. And all she eats is just a little pinch of salt. And you're like, that's fucking it? Well, folks, I'm here to tell you about this wonderful thing called seasoning. Now, I if got you a think, whole aisle. Mm-hmm. Y'all, rated, so, y'all rated whole countries for it and still don't use it. Exactly. <laughs> and, and here's my thing. It's like, guys, if your food tastes boring, don't fall into this trap like, oh, I'm not going to use seasoning because it's not healthy. Folks, it's totally healthy. It's good for you. And in fact, I don't know if you knew this, but if you put different things in there, it makes it taste different. And each country has its own unique seasoning. And well, guys, it makes food taste good. Make your food taste good. Use some goddamn seasoning, you fucking white people. Mayo isn't a seasoning. (laughs) Can I, can I, real quick, can I point out that we are Jew, Jewish people are excluded because. Most of our food is made while we're on the run from people persecuting us. <laughs> so we just use what we can. <laughs> um, and, uh, and our other sponsor is uh, Crisco. 
And, no, uh, I have I have our other sponsor. Well, can I say this first before you interrupt sure. your piece of shit? Just cause <laughs> just cause just cause you're so pretty with that hair. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it does look pretty cool. Just wanna... Now, uh, <laughs> now, this is, now uh, gentlemen, y'all know that like whenever you go to your grandma's house and like the food tastes good, like she cooks some biscuits and like, damn, these biscuits taste good. Then you try it at home and it tastes like shit. You know why? Because you probably use some damn Crisco. So uh, I'm yeah. just saying, if you want some of that good old timey flavor that actually tastes good, one, use seasoning, two, use Crisco. Brad, back to you. Yeah, so um, I have a somewhat real slash they aren't paying us sponsor, but I would like to give a shout out to uh, Pacific Grove Bottle Shop here in the beautiful state of California. Now, fellas, if y'all are ever in the Monterey, Santa Cruz area, drop them down to Pacific Grove. Check out the Pacific Grove Bottle Shop. They have an insane number of wines, an insane number of liquors, and, most importantly, an insane number of good beers. Actually, for every episode that we have done so far, the beer that I have drank, I was able to find at the Pacific, Pacific Grove Bottle Shop during the episode as we were recording it. So if anyone wants to check them out, you know, just uh, go down there, get yourself a few beers, maybe a bottle of whiskey. They have an amazing bottle of whiskey that I still have that I have not opened called Writer's Tears. Boo, open the whiskey. I'm waiting to open it until I'm finished with the most recent book I'm working on, and as soon as I finish it, I am opening that sucker up. But uh, guys, uh, check them out for all of your alcohol and alcoholic needs. It's like the strickland propane of alcohol. And by the way, for the Shiner, I'm not pouring it in a glass. We're going old school on this shit. <laughs> Don't you dare pour that in a glass, you fancy... You know what? We're not going there. Yeah. Uh, speaking, right, of just... not go, speaking of not going there, real quick. Where's our intern? Oh. You're out of order, Chris. <laughs> of, episode continuity is out of order now. Really? I mean, yeah. depends on where they are. 5. Unless, they listen to, unless they listen, listen to all the episodes up until October <coughs> and then come back to this episode. <laughs> it's not yeah. Lord of the Rings. It's where in the world is Carmen Sandiego. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll touch on our intern in another episode. Avery. There was no better way to say that, Brad. I didn't know there was an order to this. Oh man! I didn't know there was a story to it. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for that, uh, that 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 amazing segue, Brad. Well, guys, uh, this week the Bruise Reviews podcast is covering 2018's Black Panther. But before we get into it, this is your spoiler warning. Everything we say from this point forward about this film is one gigantic spoiler. So, if you have not watched this film, and if you haven't watched this film, something is horribly, horribly wrong with you. Absolutely. <laughs> please pause it, come back, and then listen to us give this film all the praise that it deserves. Now, uh, 2018's Black Panther was about after the death of his father, T'Challa returns home to the African nation of Wakanda to take his rightful place as king. When a powerful enemy suddenly reappears, T'Challa's medal as king and as Black Panther gets tested when he's drawn into a conflict and puts the fate of Wakanda and the entire world at risk. 
Faced with treachery and danger, the young king must rally his allies and release the full power of the Black Panther to defeat his foes and secure the safety of his people. That just sounds <sighs> professional as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> this this <sighs> is... Alright, so we need to get into the good and... Where do we begin? This... So this film... Um, unfortunately, I didn't get to watch it in theaters. Uh, I've kind of explained to y'all why. Because um, you're stupid. Yeah, pretty much. Um, but when I was able to actually watch this film, my ex-girlfriend, uh, who I was dating at the time of when this film the was one available... That, the one that wants to murder me? All of them want to murder you. You gotta Chris. be real specific. Right? Yeah, I think you they want to murder me? It's like Scott Pilgrim out here. Yeah, this <laughs> is... Like... Ivy doesn't want to murder me. Chris versus knowledge. all of our exes. Um, pretty, pretty much. Pretty much. Um, but, okay, in my defense, some of them deserved it. I mean, yeah. But we didn't know that at the time. Anyways, <laughs> yeah, moving on. Um, so I, I waited to watch this film uh, until it was able to stream um, for a few reasons. But um, I, I remember watching it for the first time with uh my my ex-girlfriend and i loved this movie i thought this movie was in all honesty even right now i'm gonna tell you all this right now i think this is the best marvel film ever i wholeheartedly Period. agree <clears throat> and and i remember what i watched it the first time and I swear to God, I went on like a three-month binge where I watched it at least once a week. And during that time, my girlfriend was just like, my ex-girlfriend was just like, why are you watching this movie again? I'm like, because it's fucking brilliant. It's not, this movie is not a superhero movie. To True. me. True. It is, it is a, an excellent view on society. It is an excellent view on political socioeconomic norms it is ah this this honestly i honestly when i took my my uh, philosophy according to the movie uh class i should have done it on this film i should have i did it on a different film that i am going to recommend that we watch one day called um bonroku i've heard of it Oh, that's uh, going to be something like abominable again. Chris, Wait, you, it, it actually, we'll we'll get into that another day. But um, there are so many continuity. Yeah, yeah, a little bit, but it's all right. There's... Guys, spoiler warning: we record episodes ahead of time so that we can relax and let our livers relax a bit. Um, relaxing. <laughs> um, but I, I need to point out the. Like, this movie had such a social impact and societal impact, especially here in America, um, that it deserves all the praise, not just for being a great movie, but also for the impact it had on society itself. Yeah, and they're, they're, very few movies can say that. That I I wholeheartedly agree with that. When this movie came out, matter of fact, on on the way to this movie coming out, all of Black America and Buddy can back me up on this. All of us were just be good, be good. We were just praying, just be good, be good, because I mean, we, it, we, we it, had hope. 
we, we had hope, but the thing is, we don't get to see ourselves on screen as the main characters very often, unless we're the ones who make the films. And in the past, yes, we got Spawn, which is honestly forgotten about, and we had Blade, which Blade Blade was the black superhero for the longest time because he's all we had. Right. Um, <laughs> which Blade is amazing. But the True. but the fact that we got Black Panther. It, it was a whole nother level because it wasn't the same story of ghettos, rats, and roaches. This became a story of black exceptionalism. Of when you think about Africa, everyone seems to think third world country, you know, tons of farmland, everything being desolate, everyone is completely tribal. And yes, some of those some of those instances are in this film. But once you enter Wakanda, once you pass through the veil, you begin to see Africa for what Africa really is. Africa is hella advanced, but everyone just seems to think tribal and, you know, Zulu and all this other stuff, which Zulu tribes are amazing. Um, That's another movie we should do, Zulu. But uh, that, that stated, this film was able to portray black people in a different light. It was able to portray us as kings and queens, as we say that we are, because we are. And we were able to portray our culture and portray the, the pride that we have in being african and or african-american and it allowed us to believe that we could be more because here we were seeing a king we're seeing shuri as this technologically advanced super genius who is not only cracking jokes but she's making things that would make you know nasa and cia and every intelligence company on the planet blush like (laughs) and she's doing it with ease and so it made black black people around the world just be like we are amazing and you know my friend posted on linkedin he said the first time he ever took his child to see a black panther he said his son looked up at him and said daddy are we from wakanda and uh he said my friend said he looked at his he said he looked at his kid with a smile and said yes we are and then his kid looked back at him he said that's awesome i love that about us (laughs) and the thing is after this movie after this movie, black folks forever would be like, yo, we're going back to Wakanda. Like, it's real. Like, <laughs> like we're going back to Wakanda. And let's, because- <laughs> let's face it, if you look at um, kind of what they were saying uh, at uh, the villain, I'm going to like kind of jump ahead real quick yeah. in the movie, but um, uh, Killmonger. Yeah. Uh, Killmonger was saying, like, didn't civilization and the human race start here? Mm-hmm. So aren't all of these your people to be king over? And it's it's looking at that in honestly a realistic light. Why is it that society views African Americans, people of color, as a lower class when really this is the essence of civilization as we know it? But the, it also goes beyond that because oh yeah the the, the issue that we have with Killmonger and T'Challa is that they represent two different sides of the coin. T'Challa represents the true African Afrocentrism aspect, while Killmonger is the American hotep, screw everybody, you know, black folks, we got to get ours mentality. And it was the whole discussion of the Pan-African diaspora where we've split, where we spread out so much that honestly, sometimes when Africans interact with African-Americans, they don't like us um, because they don't they don't think we're real enough. And at the same time, we don't think they're real enough. And so we had that whole discussion because, you know, everything that is happening right now here in America, it, it, it sometimes 
it sometimes falls on deaf ears within both our communities, both African and African-American, because I went to school with a whole bunch of, you know, people of African descent. And when stuff goes down, a lot of times they're like, oh, that doesn't concern me. I'm, I'm Nigerian or I'm Kenyan or I'm this, I'm that. This doesn't concern me At the same time. But it's like sometimes you have to remind like, no, you're black in America. They consider you African-American. They don't care what you are, where you're from. Um, yeah. But it's but at the same time, after this film, though, it caused a lot of African-Americans, including myself, to go back and think about our roots and go back. Because I, I love the fact that this has come up a lot more since Black Panther came out. We talk about our ancestors with such reverence now, um, especially we, we talk about making our ancestors proud or, or we are feeling the ancestors through ourselves. And, you know, Buddy and I make those jokes with each other a lot. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, the, the ancestors guided you. Um, but this it, but isn't it, my food. Yeah, but, or, but you know, but in my case, the, my ancestors are looking down on me in shame. <laughs> they like your hair, though. They do like your hair. But you know, when, is when it comes to just bitching at you right now, Chris? Mushu <laughs> is some old bullshit. First and foremost. Second off, I also real quick before I'm sorry, Chris. No, you're but not. I need to. Come I on. need to point out that for Come once, on. I am so happy. Avery is drinking with us just like it was fucking 2010. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those are the good years. <laughs> and we can go out instead of restaurants. Oh, man. It's, oh, man. oh, God. Remember no, outside? Stop. Stop. Yeah, no, stop. Yeah, no. T- t- today was one of those days I was like, you know what? For, you know, for our king, I'll crack open one. I got to pour out one because we, we lost, we lost a, an icon of the black community. But he helped bring that black community together because, as I was about to say, after this movie came out, this pride in being African or having African descent rose so much that especially when the George Floyd um, protest began, it came to a point where people, oh, yeah. in, you know, people in Ghana were like, come home. You know, our African, African-American brothers and sisters, you don't have to deal with this. Come home. We will find a place for you. Come home. And quite, fr- quite frankly, the food's better there. Uh, oh, so yeah. Oh, oh one of my dad's mm. old co-workers was from Ghana. He took us, mm. and this was years ago when I'm mm. working at colleges, and we went to this uh, restaurant where the owners were from Ghana. And in the food there, it's like, oh, it's spicy. They use, it tastes good. Like, yeah, no. Damn, where, where, where the fuck have I been? Why hasn't this been introduced to me until now? I yeah. mean, I... I think the yeah. I think the problem is with with African food is that so many people, it's the fear of the unknown. African food is a delicious. Oh, it's um, so good. But which it's, goes, which goes to one of Chris's life philosophies: eat it first, ask questions later. Yeah, <laughs> I and, agree you know, with that. You know, the one thing I do want to wonder, and I'm actually pointing this at Buddy. You know, we're just talking about this, the idea of the Pan African diaspora, and you know, reverence of ancestors, and going going back. Um, from a philosophical point of film, what point do you think Ryan Coogler was attempting to make with this movie? Um, about because because there was a lot of conversations between Killmonger and T'Challa about their differences um, between you know being an American and being an African. Uh, yeah, I, I think for him, he wanted to look at both versions of what it means to be African American. He wants to look at how. African Americans see the world versus how I imagine native Africans see the world per se. And one of the big moments of Black Panther is that 
when he returns home, this is a little bit of a deep dive. Um, Shuri asks him for the beads, and he's like, oh, they work just fine. She says, no, just because they work fine doesn't mean they can't be improved upon. And in a sense, that's your sure. theme stated for the film itself. It's that, yeah, Wakanda is great, but it can be improved upon. And that, yeah, it's great, but its isolationist principles and the fact that it keeps itself separated from the rest of the world, it doesn't help it. It's not being the beacon that it could be. It's not being the light to the world that it could be. And in a sense, that's what he's sort of shining on, shining his light on is that these if you have the power to do something, to do something right with the world, then do something with it. Like, you know, there's so many memes saying Killmonger was right. Yes, Killmonger is 99% right, but don't forget that part of his plan included mass genocide. So let's not forget that. But he was saying, if you have the power to do something, then use it. Don't just sit back and just let your power be controlled under your dome or under your Wakandan field. And I think that sort of ties into the idea of, you know, unity within the black sphere, unity within all different shades of brown and all different shades of color. And no matter where you come from, or even if you don't even know where you came from, then I think with Black Panther, it's showing that you can use that unity. You can use your past, you can use your history and your ancestors to sort of push yeah. yourself forward. So uh, I I think for him, it's about using your God-given gifts in your past and your history for good and for Killmonger's sake. In his mind, it was for good, but um, it was also <laughs> for not at the same time. So um, yeah, I, I think it's it's a very layered subtext look at the black diaspora but just sort of using wakanda as the beacon for it yeah i actually want to talk a little bit about killmonger because uh real talk uh, you know my, into, oh. this is going to lead into this okay uh for the for you and buddy how do, and i've gotten this as an asian i'm not asian enough for the eight fully asian kids but i'm also not white and like <laughs> Even full-blooded Chinese, I'm not Chinese enough. And yeah. I'm also not, not white enough for the white people. Mm. How does uh. that... T- like, um... Yeah, so during Cold, all of Killmonger's things and, like, the struggle between it, I get it. Because I've experienced it myself. But for the two of you, how do you feel it? Uh, buddy, you want to go first? Uh, sorry, one more time. Just what was a question. So, Be- like, oh, sorry. Yeah. Uh... Here, so for me, I'm not well, I'm not Asian enough for the Asians, but I'm not white enough for the white people. And it, this movie does touch on it to some extent. So, how do you feel about it? Oh, that's. I always look at the one drop rule. Um, if, if you have a drop of black in you, I, I think you're black. And I, I think that was almost what Eric Killmonger's character was. He had a drop of Wakandan in him. And not only was he Wakandan, but he was heir to the throne. And I think you're looking at a movie that, I I guess, let me just start with this. Being black or being a person of color isn't a monolith. We all don't exist within one stereotype. And I think that's what this film was sort of breaking down. You had, um, you had kings, you had black kings, you had 
black guardswomen. You had black nerds. You had black people that lived in the mountains and had a... Were they vegan? The Jabari tribe? The, the, yeah, they said they vegetarian. Yeah, they had, they had black vegetarians that were also built like um, bodybuilders. Like, yeah, they're, they're and, mountains. <laughs> yeah, and you had just different shades... Motherfuckers uh, are using some whey protein up in there. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, vegan whey protein. <laughs> and you have different Pea versions protein. of what blackness looked like. And they weren't all under the same uh, umbrella of what we imagine black to be. And I, I think it's just a thing is, sorry, I just, I guess it's a thing that when you have such Ooh. a diverse cast of black people, you're able to show those differences but other films that only have one or two black supporting characters, you don't have that time or that range to show off the differences within the black diaspora. And th that's why I think our representation is so important, because you can see the different shades of black life within it, you know? Um, yeah, so one drop rule, everyone's still black, but it all comes down to uh, personality and having the large large enough cast to actually show that personality off um before avery starts um my only issue with the whole one drop rule i'm sorry i'm sorry uh buddy i'm not trying to like brag on you um uh, my only issue with the one drop rule is um from all of my historical context with it it was kind of used more as a um <clears throat> um I'm trying to think of the right way to word this, but it was, especially in America, it was more used as a way to discriminate. I'm, um, and I, I honestly like the way that you're saying the one drop rule is not a way to discriminate. It's a way to find somebody who you can connect with. Um, sorry, not trying to like interject, but like, if you were to say that to one of my college professors, they would fucking shoot you. That's all I, I mean, fuck your college professors. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, buddy. I got back door. Um, which is a which is a statement in the in the black community that says I got your back. Uh, which, <laughs> it all it also means you about to you you literally and truly you about to get hit blindsided. <laughs> <laughs> um, that stated, you know. While that is true, while the one-drop rule was used as a way to dehumanize people, in today's society, African-Americans and African, the people of the Black diaspora in general, we now use it as a way to say, regardless of who doesn't, who doesn't want you, whatever you look like, if you have even a drop of Black blood in you, you're one of us, we got you. You know, you're, you're part of our group. Um, I respect that shit. And so, like, you know, speaking from my own instance... And this is the difference between Buddy and I. He is my brother. I'm I'm light bright in the black community. I am I am light skinned, as people would say. And being that, I was never, you know, the way way I said, uh, I'm too black to be white, too white to be doing it right. Um, and for me, I was never really accepted by either group. And uh, it only got better when I accepted my my own blackness, you know, wholeheartedly. Um, the crazy thing is I'm not mixed. Everyone just seems to think I am, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, using this film as, as a lens for that, I, I believe 
I believe, you know, Killmonger's whole mentality was that since he was Wakandan and everyone essentially was derived from Africa, from Mother Earth herself, everyone had that one drop of black blood in them. So therefore, T'Challa should have been using whatever methods he could, whatever resources he could to make every black person's life around the world better. But he wasn't. And he, in his mind, if T'Challa wouldn't do it as king, then he himself would become king and do it himself because of what King T'Chaka did. It made his life so much harder. He was left in America in the ghetto, in the ruins, Project Rats and Roaches, as we talked about. And he had to grow up learning that death was just another part of life. He lost his father at a young age. He was stuck with his mother. And then he basically turned himself into a living video game character, you know, racking up body counts like it's Call of Duty just so he could have that one moment of walking into the throne room, challenging for the throne, showing his royal blood, and then looking at Angela Bassett and saying, hey, auntie, which was my favorite <laughs> moment of the whole movie because it was so much petty in that, that one line. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of which, like uh, whenever he's fighting T'Challa mm. for uh, the right to be king, when he takes mm. off his shirt and you see like his back, mm. it's like, damn, did you play Call of Duty on or something like <laughs> <shit>. <laughs> you know and, and it you know that's the thing about the characters is from, from their comic book versions to the film versions uh killmonger killmonger was never as cool as he is in the film you know michael b jordan took that character and raised it up another notch but uh in the comic books he's while he is great that whole aspect of you know notching up kills like it was nothing actually belongs to Bushmaster, who you see in the Luke Cage uh, Netflix show, mm -hmm. uh, but he's also a villain of Moon Knight. The, mm -hmm. act the actual main villain of the Black Panther is the White Ape or the White Gorilla, which is M'Baku. Uh, however, here they made him an ally, which I'm all for because, as I told my wife, the, the Jabari tribe are my favorite characters in this movie because they are my big boys. As a fellow big boy, uh, I, I sympathize with them, and I'm also a vegetarian. <laughs> so, it, it uh, of continue. Okay. You know, it, it, you know, it's just to to wrap it all up. You know, what you asked. My my worldview may be a little different than Buddy's. Um, I tend to lean more on the Killmonger side, uh, but I also understand that the message that Killmonger was not 100 percent correct. Yes, he what he wanted to do was great. And yes, he, he had the royal right to do so. And he believed that as a leader, it was in his power to do so. But he wasn't going about it the right way, no matter what he looked like, because he wasn't accepted as an American and he wasn't accepted as a Wakandan. Therefore, he made his own designation of what he should be and then forced his way into power through that designation. Gotcha. All good stuff, gentlemen. Yeah, to yeah. get back to the movie, uh, one thing I did like was... <laughs> <laughs> to get back to the movie! <laughs> Can we, no, real quick, let me Chris? finish my... Shut the fuck up and let me Chris? finish my thought. Fuck off. Okay. Finish Thank you. Thought. Thank you. Okay, to get back to, like, the movie as a movie, uh, one thing I liked was we're introduced to Claw in about... A quarter of the way through the movie, maybe a little bit more than half, right about the halfway point, we're introduced to Killmonger and seeing like he is the real villain. So we're just like, as an audience, we're thinking, oh, that dude's going to like fuck shit up. And he's like, nah, he's just going to die and the third dude's going to fuck shit up. 
Also, let me point out, Claw was one of five white people in the whole movie. <laughs> he was <laughs> one of five. Oh, fuck. Uh, uh, what's the actor's <laughs> name? Watson. Um, yeah. what's, what's his name? The, uh, the actor's name. He played Watson in the BBC. Sherlock. Uh, Sherlock film. Fuck. The CIA guy. What's the actor's name? I don't. I don't know the actor's name. I, I know the every, character you're talking about, Agent Ross. Every British guy. Agent ever. Ross. Yes. So every Agent, British guy ever. He, well, he's British in real life, but now he's American in the film. Um. He played, but he looks. Uh, Agent out. Agent Ross. Um. Really, kind of. As weird as it is, yeah, he's like one of five white guys in the film, as you said, Avery. Um, and I really love the way that they showed it to where he was nothing, not nothing. He was outgunned and outmanned without T'Challa and the help of, um, the Wakandans, essentially. Mm. He yeah. honestly, if it weren't for Wakanda, he would be useless because he'd be dead. Yeah. Well, the thing is, uh, Shuri had one bit of dialogue that uh, Buddy would probably, I think Buddy might have caught it the first time because I think we talked about it, where mm-hmm. they're bringing him in on the stretcher and Shuri goes up and she smiles. She's like, oh, she's like, oh, another broken white boy for us to fix. This will be fun. Because <laughs> like, this comes on the heels of them fixing Bucky Barnes, who is the white yeah. wolf in, in their world. And so it, it kind of had this, this moment of they, they knew they could save him. In in the in the in the in America and the world around them, especially in in Korea, where the incident happens, where he, he jumps in front of Nikia, they they think he's gonna die, and you know T'Challa's like, we can save him, and everybody else is like, yeah, we can, but that's not a good idea. Why are we gonna bring in a colonizer? Which the colonizer? <laughs> which, which then Shuri talks about later when he wakes up in the the bed, he's looking around. Don't she's scare like, me you, like that, colonizer. Exactly, which. Real quick, Letitia Wright owned this damn movie. She was so good in this fucking film. Give her everything. Oh my god, I loved that character. Everything about her, like, every time she popped up on screen, I'm like, I know I'm gonna enjoy this moment. Letitia Letitia Wright is such an amazing actress, and seeing her here, one, because she's British as hell, uh, and so, like, it, it always makes me laugh. Um, but you know, you see her here playing a Shuri, which every time she's on the screen, she is just chewing the hell out of this scenery. And you see her, you know, be able to act in such a way with such youthfulness and such vigor that she's honestly making you think she's a teenager when this woman is in her fucking, she's damn near 30 or she might be 30. Um, uh, I and think so, she's like, I mm. think around the time of this filming, I could be wrong. She was like 23. I I think I looked. I think she was like twenty six. <laughs> it's like, oh, like, I don't yeah, know. yeah. Because yeah. I, I remember looking it up because I was just like, I mean, black don't crack, so I was having a hard time trying to figure out what her actual that age part. was. Um, but yeah, she she owned those scenes, and then you know we had the moment at the end where she finally gets to go into battle, and she's so happy about it. Like she's she's giddy that she finally gets to go out there and fuck some shit up, especially the she's scenes- been waiting. Yeah, the scene in Korea when, you know, T'Challa's like, Shuri, and, like, the car scene pops up, and she's like, yes! <laughs> like, like she gets to go in I there have, and do I some things. Whole, I have a whole thing to say about the car scene, and we'll get into that in a little bit, but... Oh, yeah, the car uh, scene was great. 
So I loved the car scene, but again, what I need to say about the car scene, we'll get in a bit. Okay. Um, I really appreciated the way, um, with, uh, uh, Shiri, like the way they showed the brother sister dynamic. Oh yeah. Like these are, you know, these people are royalty, quote unquote. Um, they may not be royalty in views of how, uh, I guess you could say white America or like white society views royalty. Yeah. But like to the culture, they are royalty, which in my opinion, fuck you, you're royalty. End of discussion. Um, and I really loved the way she was kind of like the one who ragged on tradition more for the technological aspect. She wanted to be not be. She wanted to show off the technical prowess of Wakanda whereas uh uh fuck uh um, Umbaku even said it. He was like a girl who is in charge of your technology who scoffs at tradition. Mhm. And it, it that was also kind of like a call to teenagers like you may scoff at the tradition of your parents but it doesn't mean you're dumb. And I, I, I appreciated that. Unless you believe in flat Earth, <laughs> like that you. Part. No, no. Chris I believes in believe donut. That. Chris believes in donut Earth. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, right. Damn it. Don't, don't make me go into NASA tirade again, Brad. <laughs> we won't. We won't. Is there filling? We'll, we'll save that for like gravity or something. Mm. Yeah. But yeah. So, Brad, Ooh, that's what? my new. That's my new theory. Jelly donut Earth. Oh Lord. Brad, what Thanks, were you what, what were you thinking about Thanks. when it came to the the car scene? Because that that whole car chase scene was ridiculous. Um, okay, so first of all, I loved the cinematic beauty of that car scene. I loved the way they portrayed the car scene. I loved the way it was shot. I loved the suspense in it. I thought the whole car scene was great. However, comma, um. Fucking Lexuses and Toyotas don't handle that well, and I hate to break it to anyone at fucking Marvel. I don't care how much Lexus and Toyota paid for your sponsorship. Slash, I really appreciate them paying for you to get this film made. But uh, if you were to talk to any car like enthusiast, Lexus and Toyota, they make amazing vehicles, and they have the absolute potential to make great handling, great feeling vehicles to be behind the wheel. However, the cars used in that scene are a joke compared to some of their counterparts that could have been used in that scene to make it more realistic and suspenseful. But I understand we're talking about a superhero movie, we're talking about a fantasy. You're forgetting Uh, one thing, though. What? He was playing a fucking video game. Physics don't apply in video games, dude. Yeah, but they apply in the real world, which T'Challa was riding on top of the car. And then that doesn't excuse the other Lexus that, um... Are you mad because their their shocks were made from vibranium? <laughs> their shocks weren't made from vibranium. They were made from unobtainium, because that's <laughs> bullshit, okay? That's all I'm saying. It is... You know, I I don't know much about cars. I know that entire scene. I was looking at it as a moment for the 
the moment that we could see the suit really flex its muscles because we got to see a lot of the the kinetic burst um that sure talks I, about honestly i appreciate it for showing off the suit um stuff yeah but but oh, sorry go oh, ahead oh, i was going to skip ahead a little bit and one thing i, I did want to touch on uh we're, where were you going to go? I just wanted. I just wanted to quickly, since we're talking about the scene, I just wanted to talk about Lupita Nyong'o, and I. I really wish I knew the other actress's name who plays the leader of the Dora Magi. Um, bruh, those two women. Oh, every, Denai Guerrero. Yeah. Did, every time they were on the scene, I should know. I had an interview with her a while ago. So <laughs> she's nice. Uh, okay, she's so, nice. So, so, so one, both of them are amazing, amazing actresses. Two, both are you know stunningly beautiful black women. But damn, were they fierce in that casino, and damn, were they fierce! Like, 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 I, I love the fact that um, I again said her name, and I can't remember it. Um, oh, Denigra. Yeah, like, like when her when her character literally she 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 looks at Lapita's character and says, "Just drive," and like, like <laughs> she she leans out the car, like and she has this look on her face that anyone who grew up around you know strong black women, you all know that face, like. I got this. Don't worry about it. <laughs> like, <laughs> she leans out that car and then proceeds to absolutely fuck everything up. And she is amazing every time she steps on the scene, especially the casino fight where she threw her wig at them and then proceeded to beat their ass. <laughs> oh my god. I have so many things to say about that actress. Like, like oh my she was <laughs> She, she doesn't a, not even a golf clap. She deserves like a full yeah. fucking round of applause for for the, her entire Marvel showdown. Um and she also as, as exceptionally shows it in the interrogation scene. Oh oh yes. When he when when Agent Ross touches T'Challa, <laughs> yeah. she, if she just snaps, she looks she looks at and says T'Challa. If he touches you again, <laughs> like <laughs> I was, because as soon as I saw that, I was like, "Oh, I know that face," because that's the face every block, every black mom has when somebody else chastises their child. That's that face. We've all like I know Buddy and I have both have seen it. That face, like, oh, oh, you fucked up. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, it, this is not exactly my problem, but it is a problem. Yeah, it is someone's problem, but it is not mine. <laughs> And can we also, real quick, can we acknowledge the museum, museum, museum scene? Sorry, took, I'm three beers in, and one of them was like 11% alcohol, so. Um, museum. museum scene. That scene um, showing Killmonger's, like, prowess for understanding artifacts. Yeah. That Absolutely. Was amazingly played and also it did show kind of how and correct me if i'm wrong buddy and avery but it really did show um the stereotype of how an african-american or person of color is portrayed in a white man's eyes quote-unquote because they had security there that was watching him you know, all these things were kind of going on as he was trying to rob the place. Out. Yeah, rob the place <laughs> and figure it out. And I really thought it was interesting because you really did see the whole. You know, it's one one black man, and there are there were five security guards. I think five or six. Yeah, 
It's 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 something like you know. Yeah, yeah killed them. <laughs> I, I think for me, and you know, Buddy may have a different take on this. I saw it as how of how you know essentially the the white population and. I can't remember because I think they were in the UK. Um, it made me think of how they tend to view black people because the way he's dressed when he's in the museum is very urban, but it, it's very much so on the the hipster side of urban. And so she goes yeah. up to him and she's explaining these things. And when he when he corrects her, she's just like, "Well, how are you going to tell me what this is?" And he kind of has this in his mindset. He's like, "He's like, because I'm right." Um, it's kind of how they, they view us as being as not as educated as them. But we later on learned that he went to MIT. He's very intelligent. So yeah. Yeah. It, it was kind of it was kind of his way to uh, flex his intelligence and show that he's not your 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 everyday average street thug type of character in which you may think of him the way you see the way you see dressed at that moment. Like, and did, did you guys read the whole story about the girl's retainer? No. What about so uh, I, I, I honestly I feel terrible. I'm terrible with actors names, actresses names. I don't really care. I'm, you know, whatever. I'm terrible with actors and actresses names. But uh, there's the story where uh, when Killmonger took off his shirt for the showdown with T'Challa, uh, mm-hmm. he uh, there was a girl who watched this movie and broke her retainer. <laughs> Because she clenched her jaw so tight. Huh. And the actor, like, on Twitter was like, I feel bad, I'm gonna pay for your new <laughs> <laughs> So, I just, I wanted to say that. I think that's hold amazing. On, hold on, hold on, real quick. And this is, this actually adds on to um, Michael B. Jordan just being the absolute best human being. Um, he's actually been known for his kindness and his his willingness to give but the fact of the matter he's so humble he still lives with his parents like yeah. he lives with his parents yeah or, more like his parents live with him it, yes <laughs> well well i i don't know which way around it is um but basically he was saying he just he didn't see a point in it yeah, um that's he, smart he didn't see a point because he's making good money and he wants yeah. to take care of his family so they yeah. all still live Respect. together he he do, he does mention how it cramps his his sex life a little bit because his parents live down the <laughs> hall. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, it, it shows that humbleness that he doesn't want to go out and spend this money. At at this point, he's he's put in grade A performance after grade A performance after grade A performance because I legit cried watching Fruitvale Station and his his end performance in Black Panther when he has that that that's such an emotional moment where he says. You know, when T'Challa says, well, I think we can heal you, he says, for what reason? To lock me away? You know? Yes. And he, and, and he, say, he says, just bury me in the ocean alongside my ancestors who jumped off the boat because they knew death was better than bondage. And that, 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 that moment hit me in the chest because that, I was like, damn. <laughs> all right. That end fight scene, there mm. are two amazing quotes by him. Mm. And I want to pat. They were the shit out. I, I, I really want to point out the two amazing quotes by them because one of them, as like again, as a cisgendered white male, one of them hit me. But the first one, the one that didn't hit me as much as honestly uh, it should have, and I feel like Avery and Buddy, buddy. Avery and Buddy, 
I feel like it hit you guys more than it hit me was the bury me in the ocean with my ancestors who jumped from the ships because they knew death was better than bondage. Just like you said. Yep. That, that moment, honestly, like probably broke the wall for me. I, I, I felt it. And I, I felt a little bad feeling it because I'm like, I mean, yeah, Jewish, you know, we, we ran from Egypt, but a little bit different. But the one quote that he said at that end fight scene was, can you believe that a kid from Oakland running around believing in fairy tales? And the reason that kind of hit me is because, like, as a writer and buddy, I'm sure you can agree with me on this. As a writer, you want to be able to express to any gender, any nationality, any race. You want people to believe in what you're writing. You want those people to believe in fairy tales. Yeah, it's about making it feel real and making it organic and authentic to the character and when you do that then the audience feeds into it yeah uh but uh, like that was just me for the end scene and the way this film ended um i'm honestly and i don't want to bring up the death of chadwick um i'm honestly concerned because there is nobody who could play back the Black Panther like him. Um, well, you gotta remember, it's a comic book. No one ever truly dies. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, there's there's been a lot of discussion on, on Twitter today. A lot of people are saying, just cancel Black Panther 2. Like, just leave it at one film. Um, another person brought it up. And they're like, well, they're like, if you really want to follow the comics and you want to honor Chadwick's legacy in the comic book, Shuri becomes the second Black Panther. So, like, make her Ooh, the you're Black right, Panther. She does. You're right, um, she does. My thought process was, I was like, you know, I don't know how we would do this, but I, you know, I made, you know, I made the same. I was like, somebody needs to go ahead and call Michael B. Jordan and say, nigga, we need you. Uh, <laughs> because we're, we're at this point where... I, I I don't I don't know how we're gonna move forward. Um, I would love to see Shuri play the Black Panther, but at the same time, I, I would. I, yeah. I, I I understand what people are saying. Just leave it leave it be. You know, let's honor I, Chadwick's legacy. So, so honestly, from my point of view, I there are two options for me, or three options really. One is cancel, end of end of the line for this for this particular telling of the cinematic universe mm-hmm. we're in. Uh, for the Black Panther. Mm. The second one is they could do what they did to um goddamn I'm terrible with actors' names. Uh Fast and Furious. Oh, um Oh no, they're not gonna Paul Walker him. They no, but I'm not saying Paul Walker him through the whole movie. I'm saying Paul Walker him to a respectful point where somebody else could take over, preferably his sister. But well, if they the, if they were to the bring back if they were to bring back Killmonger, I think it would be an amazing redemption. Because you kind of saw some redemption at the end of the movie for Killmonger. And I feel like if they were to bring him back in, 
that could actually be an amazing point for the Avengers and like the Marvel Cinematic Universe as a whole for him being able to realize the flaws in his way, but at the same time, bringing in different perspectives for what's going on. Yeah. I'm going to counter-argue this your second point with you don't want to Paul Walker him because look what happened to Bruce Lee in Game of Death. Oh. I mean, when we get the Bruce Lee scene where he's going through the levels, amazing. Great piece of martial arts movie. Everything else about the movie sucks balls. Yeah. I mean, Game of Death, people only remember the levels anyway. That's the only that's the only thing I've ever watched from that movie. I'm also honestly. not saying like make a half a movie with him. I'm saying like maybe the first ten minutes. Well show him show him defeating Nope. I know nope. I, Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Nope, I think you leave it as that. I think you mm-hmm. leave it for the greatness that it is and uh for yep. all the comic books in this case. Whichever way you decide to go. I think you leave it as that. And just let his performance just shine for what it is. By the way, fuck, dumbass, Avery. <laughs> Did I you just call me Avery? <laughs> I, looked, I looked down at my screen, and your name was the first one that I saw. Um, Avery, I'm gonna have a special noise for your drinking in this episode. <laughs> hey, so, so one thing I want to ask all of y'all. Uh, the scenes where he goes, I forgot what they call it, where he essentially goes to the afterlife. Okay, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, those oh, hit uh, so hard today. I mean, I mean... Oof, not watching that part. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, uh, Buddy buddy and Avery, I kind of want y'all's view on the whole uh, for that. For that. For both yeah. the scenes where, where, or actually all three, where it's uh, Black Panther, Killmonger, Black Panther. What What are y'all's views on the whole ancestral plane? Uh, for me, I just shit. <laughs> I watched it today uh, again, just like so it be fresh in mind. And th- those scenes hurt on a, on a level I never expected them to hurt. Oh, they they uh, truly hurt. Like, like yeah. Um, yeah, because anyone who wasn't a stone cold piece of shit. Yeah, um, because there, there's a moment when he pops up and he's and they say the Black Panther lives, and I almost cried. Uh, and um, you know, it's this whole moment of him reconnecting with his ancestors. And if you grew up in the Black Church, you you always we, we don't we don't refer to funerals as funerals. We refer to them as home goings because we don't we don't think that you're you're dying and you're going away. You're going to another plane. We think you're going home. You're going home to be with your ancestors, to be with your loved ones that have passed on already. So that that whole aspect is probably a remnant of African culture still left in African-Americans in which we, we view going to the next life is going to be with the ones that we love. Um, and so watching those scenes, while it was painful, it did make me think that for all of us at some point, we're not going away. We're, we're going to be with the ones we love. We're not going by ourselves. We're not going alone. We're going, we're going with those families, those loved ones that have pre, that preceded us, that will then be there to usher us into the next phase of life. Uh, 
but as far as watching it, like I said, it was it was hard. It hurt. <laughs> Um, but mm-hmm. it, but it was it was two different it was two different versions of looking at that because while T'Challa's were more philosophical and him loving his father and understanding what's going on, Killmonger's was kind of sad because while his dad is you know trying to be loving, trying to be this, trying to be that, he's crying uh, during the end of the scene because essentially he's just like you know he was robbed of his father. Um, and his father dying was just another fact of life for him. While T'Challa, it was seen as, you know, it, it was seen as something too soon. Nobody wanted him to go and you know, the, the emotion that was involved in it. So with Killmongers, I, I felt a little bit of that connection there. And just that you, you realize he's not a villain, um, at least not in the traditional sense. You realize he's just a messed up kid who is trying to make the world right. And this yeah. is he's trying to make the world right in the way the world he thinks should be, in which that all all people that look like him are treated equally, are treated the same as the Wakandans, who are are his ancestral peoples. Uh, but he doesn't he doesn't get that because he lives in America. He's that kid from Oakland who was dumb enough to run around believing in fairy tales. But then you get T'Challa's aspect where he's literally in another plane talking to old Black Panthers who morph into planters that are just sitting on trees. And it is a fairy tale. The whole aspect of the Black Panther is a fairy tale. Uh, and it seems like Killmonger's, Killmonger's entire soul-searching vision quest moment was a moment of reality, while T'Challa's was a moment of clarity. I don't know if that really makes sense or not. Um, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. I get what you're saying. Um, buddy. Um, I guess for me, I was just... I was gonna if, if you just want to talk about the astral plane sequence, the reason I think Black Panther works is because I, I think Killmonger is probably the best villain that Marvel has ever done. I think they are, um, without a doubt, leagues above every other villain that we've seen in a in the MCU because you understood him, you knew where he was coming from. How many villains cry, and it doesn't become corny. It doesn't become negligent it doesn't become soap soapy and i think it's because he was treated with like a real person and i think that's almost what that astral plane sort of served as as a means to sort of show the humanity between both characters um both in their respective relationships with their fathers as well as their relationships with their younger selves and their past selves and i think that's just a testament to how strong the script is and a testament to how strong um, the writing is and the characters. And I think just in terms of the astral plane, um, it looks great. It's a great visual. But when it comes to the meat and potatoes of it, um, it's about character at the end of the day. So, yeah, I, I think it does a fantastic job. With that, I think it's I time to give our ratings. Yeah. All right, uh, everybody, uh, quick reminder, the Bruise and Reviews podcast scale of film ratings is a little different than most. Uh, the Bruise and Reviews dudes, we tend to rate films on a scale of one to five. Our scale is different in that a one refers to the fact that you only need one drink to enjoy this film. And that drink is not because the film is bad. It's just for your own enjoyment. 
However, a scale of five is the absolute worst, meaning you need all the beers in order to watch this film. Now, that stated, uh, let's get on to the reviews. And I think we're, today we're going to start with Chris. Chris, how do you view this film? Ooh, great question. Give it a one. It's, uh, it hits on a lot of great points that, quite frankly, I don't understand. And I'm, I will fully admit that. And, yeah, I'm giving it a one because on top of the points that I fully won't understand just because of my experience. So there. And, oh, yeah, by the way, it kicks ass. More importantly, <laughs> it kicks ass. Where are we passing it to? Uh, Brad, only because I see your ugly <laughs> face on the screen first. Ooh, all right. So, um, you know, I wanted to give this film a zero. Honestly, even even before Chadwick passed, this would have been one of the films where I selected for a zero and for we are a new podcast we have this rule where a zero is only once per year for each uh person or once per season um but i'm gonna kind of break the rules on this one so instead of giving it a zero where i'm only allowed to give it once a year i'm gonna give it a 0.5 0 0.5 so I'm sorry, guys, I'm breaking our own rules, but 0 0.5 on this film, to be completely honest. Um, I guess I'll, I'll go ahead and give mine. Um, I'm, I'm going to be with Brad. I'm going to break the rules. This film, this film hit on so many different levels for me, and it, uh, it, it affected me on a level that I did not know that it could. For the first time, I was really able to see myself in a super heroic role and was able to feel real pride in being black. Um, and this film was unapologetic in its blackness and was unapologetic in its messages about what it means to be African, what it means to be African-American, what it means to be a king and noblesse oblige. And at the end of the day, the message was that we always can do better. And I truly believe that. So for, for me, this film is straight up a 0 0.5. Um, just, just go ahead and take a shot, sit down, watch this film, and enjoy yourself. Uh, buddy? Uh, I'm just going to say, uh, one, you could watch it with your kid. You can watch it alone. You could watch it in a theater full of people that smells like uh, shea butter. <laughs> um, that's how I saw it in uh, Compton. So uh, I'd say that uh, that theater was lit. Wait, wait, um, you, wait, you watched this in Compton? Was it Compton? It might actually might have been. It was one of the, wait, it was wait. at the Magic Johnson Theater. That's all I remember. Oh, uh, never mind. So, that's all I needed to hear. It was lit. It was great. Um, yeah, so uh, I'm just going to say one, because um, that's the lowest score I can give it. That's not a zero. So, um, yeah, thoroughly enjoyed it. it. It It's not so much a movie as a cultural phenomenon. And I think the fact that we can quote it and we can still talk about it and make the same jokes and they still hit with the same reverence and talk about the same scenes and they still hit with the same emotional impact is um, a testament to what they created. Yeah. yeah. All right, um, 
So with all that stated, guys, it looks like the Brews and Reviews dudes are going to give Black Panther a cultural phenomenon film and a film that which we all have come to know our king by. Uh, we give it a 0.75. Uh, this pretty much equates to just go ahead and take a shot. Enjoy yourselves. Watch this movie. Uh, converse with your ancestors and do better. Um, but anyway, guys, thanks. Thank you for tuning in to this this bonus episode. Uh, we know it was a little somber, but we wanted to take a moment to honor the legacy of Chadwick Boseman, send him out properly. Um, and so, with that, I think there's only one thing there's left to do, guys. Um, Wakanda forever. Wakanda, Wakanda forever. Wakanda forever. <laughs> All right, guys, for the Bruiser Reviews, dudes. We'll see you guys next week. Later. <laughs> <laughs>